0: Hello, I'm Ken Bruce. I appeared as a guest on My Time Capsule, and after that I had to give up a job I'd had for 46 years. (sighs) Anyway, they want me to tell you that they've started a thing called Acast Plus, where for a small monthly fee, you can get the podcast ad-free. For me, I think the ads are the best thing in it. That Fenton Stevens, he does drone on a bit. Anyway, whatever you like, do something and have a go at it. Acast Plus, my time capsule. Thanks, Ken. Charming. Anyway, to get my time capsule ad-free, and for a bonus, my time capsule, the debrief episode every week, subscribe to ACAS Plus. Details in the description of this episode. Thanks. Bloody Ken Bruce, what a cheek.
1: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number.
0: Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, And if this is your first time listening to my podcast, it helps to know that in it, I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would choose to have in a time capsule to keep them safe. They can pick anything at all, but they can only choose four things that they cherish. The fifth thing has to be something they regret and would like to erase from their past, something they really do want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the host of the Distraction Pieces podcast and former hip-hop recording artist and spoken word poet, Scrubius Pip, who is now a very successful actor. For example, he played French Bill, the assistant to Atticus, played by Tom Hardy, in the historical drama Taboo, and was also in Walk Like a Panther, Out of Her Mind and Debris. But he only started acting a short while ago he runs his own recording label had his own radio show on XFM and had a very successful association with the musician Dan the Sack their debut single Thou Shalt Always Kill has had nearly 5 million views on YouTube it's got the most brilliant lyrics such as Thou Shalt Not Read NME Thou Shalt Not Stop Liking a Band Just Because They've Become Popular Thou Shalt Not Question Stephen Fry Thou Shalt Not Judge a Book By Its Cover Thou Shalt Not Judge Lethal Weapon By Danny Glover Thou Shalt Not Buy coke." Coca- Cola products, thou shalt not buy Nestle products, thou shalt not go into the woods with your boyfriend's best friend, take drugs and cheat on him. It also has the line, thou shalt spell the word Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X, not P-H-O-E-N-I-X, regardless of what the Oxford English Dictionary tells you, which is funny, but also relevant to this podcast. Keep listening. There's lots I could tell you about this extraordinary man, such as he has a stammer, Not something you'd expect in a spoken word poet, but Scroobius Pip is really not what anyone would expect. Thou shalt not judge a book by its cover, as he so rightly says. Anyway, here is our chat about the five things he'd like to put in a time capsule. I hope you enjoy it.
2: The amount of guests I've turned down on the podcast, because I wouldn't do it over Zoom Yeah, originally... And I turned down some amazing names in the past, <laughs> oh, no. and the regret now, because I'm like, well, these work wonderfully over Zoom. And
0: in fact, once you get used to it, there can be an intimacy, I think, over Zoom that you don't even get face-to-face.
2: I completely agree. In my early days of doing my podcast, they were all in people's houses. I'd go to their living room or whatever else. As it got bigger, a lot of them were at press junkets or at the PR like office and stuff like that, yeah. whereas... With Zoom, ninety percent are in their living room, so it is there is a greater intimacy that they're walking from the, their family onto Zoom or their like their writing desk yeah. onto this conversation.
0: And you do get those strange interruptions every now and again. Somebody will knock on the door.
2: It can be an absolute joy, right?
0: It is. I, I love that.
2: Yeah, I, I I tell people all the time when we're recording these that's like don't panic too much about being in a soundproof room because a bit of atmosphere is a nice thing. I've recorded a really good one with Steve Stamp, who's one of the guys from People Just Do Nothing. Mm. And he had his... It was the hottest day of the year, so he had his window open in his flat (laughs) and there were police cars going past everything, but it sounded beautiful. He was still close enough to dominate obviously audio wise so it just added a great atmosphere
0: yeah and that's really that's part of your history isn't it that thing that whole process of of appreciating that almost inadvertent thing i've been listening to some of your stuff and uh, i didn't know before pip look at me look at my age you know
2: everyone's welcome (laughs) everyone's welcome well they
0: certainly are i'm a big fan i really
2: am i i appreciate that
0: i must have played thou shalt not kill about 15 times today yeah I just yeah. ha- I've just had it going on a
2: loop. The the beauty of my of my time gigging, I I, I gigged for pr- pretty much 10 years, I guess, kind of straight. Um and then I stopped and I've moved into acting now and I'm focusing on that. But the beauty of the gigs was because I came up through the spoken word scene, mm. but Dan Lassac who I worked with came up through the dance scene and I had a love of the hip-hop scene, we did have a real variation in our crowds. You would look out and they would genuinely be people of all ages and people of all all races and different backgrounds. And we'd get indie kids and punk kids and hip-hop kids and the spoken word crowd and the dance crowd. And it was a beautiful thing. It kind of – it was scary because it meant we didn't fit into any, any category. Like yeah. an indie band from a label perspective, you can go, right – here's what Coldplay did, here's what we want to do. We need to get on this gig at this festival, Mm -hmm. on this radio show, and so on and so forth. Whereas for us, it was a little bit more complicated because there wasn't really anyone doing (laughs) what we were doing or had done what we were doing. But the positive was it meant that we had this weird, varied appeal across all different demographics and areas. Mm.
0: And it opens it up for all sorts of people coming behind you. That's the thing, I think, with that sort of stuff. It's amazing, isn't it? Once somebody discovers a new way of doing something, lots of people go, Yeah, that's not far off what I like doing.
2: Yeah. I I remember in around 2006, I think it was, being asked to do an advert, a spoken word piece on an advert, and I was like, no, I'm an artist. (laughs) I'm not up for this. And then they told me how much they were offering. (laughs) And I was living in my bedroom at my mum's house at that point. So Thou Shout had come out and this this offer came and I was like, right, this could get me a mortgage kind of thing. So I then threw my morals out the window and said, let's talk about it. And they ended up going with Samuel L. Jackson instead. So I I had to lose (laughs) my morals for, for no reason. But you fast forward 10 years to, say, 2016, Every advert had spoken word on it there was there was spoken word for on adverts for banks for coffee, for all sorts, and that illustration of it became normalized at that point. I was mm. like, well i don't know if this is right artistically After that, you go, "Well, what does it matter if it's getting you out there and giving you the opportunity and can be a means to an end? You
0: never know who's going to be listening I mean like me, you never know it's me suddenly I go,
2: yeah. I really like
0: yeah. right, this I must explore this area
2: and the ways of earning changed completely again in two thousand and six. You could make money off music. By 2016, everyone's streaming, Spotify are paying artists a, m- a minuscule amount despite the billions that they're making. Mm-hmm. And artists have to go, right, how do I m- keep this as a full-time job? I always remember in my youth being um, a Bill Hicks fan and his his harsh view on on advertising (laughs) and i think if he was alive now he'd be selling bmw's left right and center and making a killing because
0: he'd be doing nicotine patches
2: he really would he really would (laughs) oh lord
0: oh well okay so um so the idea of my podcast is that we talk about five things that you've picked from your life yes anything at all from any time four things that you treasure and one thing that you sort of regret and think "Mm, i wish i could get rid of that and that's it, and we'll see where it goes,
2: yeah, I love it,
0: so let's launch into your first
2: item, so my first choice is a very current one, and it's it's where my head's at, and it's just dog welcomes right the The welcome a dog gives you specifically my dog finley my partner rescued a dog. I was filming in Canada for seven months, and while I was away she managed to get clearance to rescue a dog uh, where she lives and she rescued this little guy finley and i was away f- for another 3 4 months after this so, so i was watching videos and photos <laughs> of this little guy and then when i finally met him it just it 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 blew my mind and i recently had my first w- week of, of solo dog dad in so it was just me and him for a week <laughs> but it's it's specifically what comes to mind is my, me and my partner don't live together, but so when I go, if, I, if I've been working for a week or two, I'll go there and the excitement that Finlay will have as I walk in the door <laughs> is just mind-blowing. He's almost knocked me out once or twice because he's he's part staffy, so he's got this big heavy head yeah. and he just jumps up excited. And at one point, I was there enjoying the excitement. He just jumped up and hit me in the bridge of the nose. <laughs> and it's the most I've ever in. Enjoyed pain, Mike. It was—it's was, was really. I was like, I'm fine with it. This is his 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 l- l- love and excitement was mm. so uncontainable that it's caused physical pain. But yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And even prior to to being a dog dad as such, I'd regularly go out on walks and be excited to, to meet new dogs, to meet a dog because their their passion and excitement is. <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's something that we can really l- learn from that yeah. there's such a, 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 a yeah, a, a voracity in 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 every day, in every moment of every day. Mm. I love it.
0: I haven't got a dog, and I've always argued that I can't have a dog because my life is so variable, and I wouldn't be able yeah. to give it as you say the sort of love it deserves the sort of attention that they deserve a
2: dog it's it's yeah. completely what i've argued I, I put my partner off getting a dog for ages because i'm away so much and again as as you'll know in the acting world it can be the drop of a hat mm-hmm. it can be oh you've got this gig oh, we need you in prague tomorrow so yeah. all right well i'm gone but it did kind of work out that cuz we don't live together <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got his reliable home and then every now and then i get to come in and be the exciting uh, addition uh, (laughs) to that i guess so yeah Yeah, but i'm exactly the same it's why i never had i've i I haven't had pets in my whole time as because prior to acting i was touring all the time so Mm -hmm. i'm off around the world for for six to ten months of the year so yeah but it's i'm so glad my partner was willing to take the leap because i wonder if i ever would because when am i ever gonna be in that reliable place to go oh i feel i can now yeah i um, know some
0: people who are like that with children where they've gone yeah. well it's not the right time now we need to you know i mean we need to yeah. be earning a bit more or we need to make sure we've got you know, a proper place to live and or you know we need a certain level of income and you go well when is that going to be achieved and yeah actually particularly with children you sort of muddle through you find a way
2: yes yeah, it's, ne- it's never the right to- time I guess is kind of of the same but it's a it's a funny one because I do think my mindset sits somewhere in the middle of that
1: mm-hmm. I think
2: I think a lot of people with pets or with children v- v- very much don't put enough thought or consideration into the life-changing thing that they're that they're committing here and not, and, and by life-changing I don't mean only their life the life mm-hmm. of the the, the the either human or, or, or creature that they're that they're going to be imprinting upon. Um, but equally, as I said, th- th- that can make you never have any children or any pets, because as you say, do there's anything. never, you know yeah, never going to... I, I, I did a podcast recently with this um, amazing comedian and actor called Tim Renkow, and mm. his career, there was so much stuff that I was like, man, how did you make such a bold choice? And he's got a, a cerebral palsy. And he quite bluntly just turned around to me. He's like, every time an opportunity comes up, I go, can I do it now? And because <laughs> his his belief and reality is in six months, physically, I might not be able to do this. I could mm-hmm. have deteriorated, I could have had ups and downs. Or in a year, I could be dead. So his attitude is always: if I can do it in this moment, I need to get on that plane as quickly as possible and wow. start doing it. Because he he's he's Canadian and he's now he's got a show on the BBC. He came to the UK. At the drop of a hat, and Ooh. just yeah, it's.
0: As a lesson It was to an learn, inspiring
2: conversation because yeah, yeah, it absolutely. really was. Rather than looking at it as a restriction, he was like, "No, it's a lease of life." Because everything that comes up, I go, "Yeah, I might not be able to do." That. It's 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 always now or never theme. Mm. Which weirdly, I've got now and never tattooed on my hands because I'm a big a, a big believer in that. I think there's so many things particularly for artists it's easy to pontificate and procrastinate and go mm-hmm. well i have it with scripts i'm working on for example i could easily go well no one's asked me for this script so <laughs> right who cares let's write it and then let them know that this is what they needed or what they wanted and yeah, yeah. i think there's always a million reasons to go let's put it off so i'm i'm very much on that yeah that now never everything, I guess.
0: Well, absolutely, that is a lesson. I mean, he sort of, in a way, is saying, well, because of the cerebral palsy, I don't know what my life's going to bring me. So I need to make those decisions now. And a lot of people might say, well, yeah, okay, fine. You know, that's not me, obviously. But in fact, yeah. that's all of us. We're all yeah. in that situation. You never know what's around the corner. and yeah. And you will, I bet you, if you don't take those things, regret them in, you know, six months, a year, 10 years. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's. I would rather regret the things I did than the things I didn't do. Absolutely. Because yeah. there's no control over that. There's no. It's it's an endless mystery. At least if you try something, you can go. Oh man, I can't <laughs> sing "Gold" by Spandau Ballet. It turns out. <laughs> but boy, did I get up there and give it a go. You know. Yeah.
0: Somebody said that to me recently. Said you can always say sorry. Yeah. Which I think is good. You know, that's true. You can always say to people, "Sorry, that was shit."
2: Yeah, I'm I'm big on the um ask for forgiveness rather than permission. The um mm. the, a, a a video I did, I did it, I had a my first ever solo song was a song k- k- called Intradiction and I had a 100 pound budget because I was doing it on my own record label. The the video has gone on to have four or five million views and it was the single that blew me up as a solo artist, but in that video we recorded it all in a a metal storage container like mm-hmm. a shipping a cargo thing and i was doing it in one take it had to be one take because there's a point where i cut my beard off i, sh- I shaved my head as i'm as i'm rapping or wow. lip syncing so i was like right we have got to do this and at the end i kind of set everything on fire i had some things in there some posters on the wall i set a hobby horse on fire and then and then b- burn everything and the of that 100 pound budget 70 pounds of that was renting out the uh, the sh- a shipping container <laughs> and I thought do I ask them if I can set things on fire in here and then I thought well we've got to do it in one take yeah. so so why not just do it and then apologize as such <laughs> and we did that and it went up more more than we expected because we doused this this hobby horse in in in, in petrol because we needed it to go up like we yeah. couldn't get to that point in the video, and then it doesn't light. So, But we went too much on it. Um, We we set it all on fire, but that's right at the end. So it's starting to fill up with smoke, and we come bounding out of this container. And the guy who owns it walks past and just went, Pip, I don't want to know. And I was like, that was exactly what I needed to hear. It was perfect to be me and the cameraman, essentially, bounding out as the other two swoop in with a fire extinguisher, kind of the reason that video was what it was was because I only had £100 and I needed to find a way to get attention. And from 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 Thou Shout and other songs I'd become known for having a big beard. So mm. I thought, right, what will get their attention if I cut my beard off in the video? Yeah. So that was kind of the catalyst of all of it. It was like, right, how can I get attention Yeah, without spending any money?
0: Well, I'm glad Finley wasn't there at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it, that uh, Staff's, or you say he's got a bit of Staff in him, but it's a shame yeah. that Staff's, got that name for a long time, because they are really such sweet animals, aren't they?
2: The most lo- lovable dogs. It's unbelievable. And you're completely right. I grew up, I think, quite scared of dogs, and it would have been staffs, r- r- Rottweilers, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then the amount of staffs I've met now, at rescues through other people having them and and, and Finley, and they are, without fail, the friendliest dogs I've ever met. And it goes down to, I, I work with the... The blue cross when I can. It's ridiculous to make specific breeds have to wear a muzzle or have to do this or do that when there's these perfectly friendly lovable dogs who yeah.
0: And what a thing to open that time catch with the first thing that welcomes you is Finley coming up and butting you in the head. Going absolutely crazy <laughs> with just
2: excitement. He does a little thing where he just shakes his bum in excitement. And my partner has pointed out that I subliminally start doing that as well. So I Brilliant. I turn into an equally excited dog and we both just stood there shaking our bums. And yeah,
0: <laughs> it's joyous. Joyous indeed. <laughs> All right, lovely. So let's see what number two is, shall we?
2: Well, number two is something that I really... It was the first one that came to mind, I think, in reality, because it's something that if I could preserve forever, I would preserve forever. And it's the cinema. Oh. Um, I adore the cinema. It's a place of... Absolute joy for for me, and I worry about the cinema and its and its future. Partly because of the closures, but partly because of the pivot towards streaming services towards TV shows. Again, I've noticed. I've only been acting five or so years now. I've noticed in the last couple of years the amount of roles I get auditions for or offered that are TV. Mm -hmm. versus film has swayed massively. And the the amount of productions I hear about on the go of film versus TV have swayed massively. And I love TV. I think it's great. I adore it. I watch a lot. But I need films and I need beautiful films and quality films and not just blockbusters and not just the ones who are going to make millions and millions. I need those films to keep being made that – are just going to hit through to people ten years later, twenty years later, and and the, the cinema is, is is the home for that. I I used to have a night at the, at the Prince Charles in in London, mm-hmm. and the basis of the film night I did was all films I've fallen in love with on DVD and never seen on the big screen, <laughs> and people would just come along. And we'll We'll watch these films on the big screen i 'll do a q and a afterwards, normally with no one who's anything to do with, do with the film, but just we want to discuss it afterwards it's, yeah. the 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 beauty of cinema is having that moment and my thought was in the in the era of 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 sp- spoilers and spoiler alerts you 're in a room with a hundred or so people who've all just seen it mm. so here we don 't have to worry about spoilers, and we can all discuss and and engage in this did people notice different things about the film as a result of watching it completely and there there were films it's it it's what really made me choose cinema rather than film because a lot of these were films that i've watched tens of tens of times like Mm -hmm. adore them i saw something different when watching them on the big screen and the fact is when you're in that big dark room and you're not in these days Distracted by your your phone, but even just l- looking around your living room and thinking, "Oh, I need to remember to put that, to take that mug out and wash it," or
0: and of course you have the option at any time to stop it, don't you? You can yeah. stop it. You can just press yeah. a button, freeze it.
2: You've got that control.
0: Cinema, no, 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 no. Now you give yourself up to it, don't you?
2: And I also think the thing that's underrated in the cinema is the sound. I think no matter how good your home system is, like in the cinema, the speakers are 20 foot that way, and 20 foot that, you know, or yeah. or, or, or further, t- 20 metres, 20, and they are actually around you, and it's not the illusion of surround, and it's a loudness. Again, I got this amazing s- system in, and the guy who helped me install it was like, honestly, it's as good as the cinema and all this. And I'm like, it is, but I've got neighbours Mm. and i'm not enough of a dickhead to blast it at full volume <laughs> and really lose whereas in the cinema you get to have that full this is immersive i've not got a soundproof living room so i got this wonderful system and i'm always like is that a bit loud that's probably a bit loud but
0: it's also that shared experience of a cinema yeah. being in a room with all those other people even i have to say i quite like it when you go into a cinema and there are about 10, 15 other people in there.
2: I'm on that side of things. I like a relatively quiet cinema. Those handful of people just make it something that you're experiencing together and make Mm. it something that you're you're, you're going through as a group. It depends on the films as well. Particularly with horrors and comedies, I think the more people, the better, because it is a shared... It becomes contagious almost, but Yeah. yeah.
0: The very few films I can think of that I went to... As an adult, where it was really packed, when I was a kid, and I used to go to the cinema, it yeah. seemed to always be absolutely full, yeah, you know we went to Saturday morning pictures and you'd just have hordes of screaming kids who all would then on would come the the cowboy and you'd all cheer, so it was yeah. a, it yeah. was a very vocal, active thing to be involved in, yeah, but then cinema became a thing where you would sit and you 'd watch it, you know, but I do remember watching the film Tootsie" with Dustin yeah. Hoffman and I went yeah. and an evening performance of it. And the place was rammed. And yeah. I had to go and see it again because I missed so many lines because we were laughing like a theatre audience. Yeah. We were roaring with laughter at certain lines. And, of course, the film, it doesn't allow for that. That You yeah. have funny lines and then you, other people say another funny line back at them. They don't wait for you to stop laughing. So yeah. I, I had to see it two or three times to get all the jokes.
2: Yeah, I love that. And, and, and again, I think it is, it's, it's a film... B- by film basis, I went to the... A friend of mine was in in Yardi, the Edris the Elba's directorial mm. debut, and I went to a premiere of that, and they'd been really adamant on getting a crowd that has all ages, but people from Jamaica, people from all over Africa and all sorts. And the atmosphere in that room was just <laughs> am- amazing. And for me, it was... It was the aunties. It was the older Jamaican women who were reacting in really quite vocal ways. And all it would take <laughs> is one yeah. to really, to uh, to really give a visceral reaction to something, and it just have everyone just, just yeah, in the moment and loving it. And I thought that was, yeah, that was a beautiful thing.
0: You should really start that club up again, though. I love the idea of that. People nominated films,
2: did they? No, no. I just I selected them just being. S- S- such a film fan and my my move into acting came from three people really Riz Ahmed Simon Pegg and Paddy Considine mm. all at some point either I knew well or had met and all of them would keep saying so when are you going to start acting? Because uh-huh. although I was doing music all I ever wanted to talk about was their films or their TV shows because I'm just the biggest fan of it all and it was Simon I think that said look I know you feel underqualified, but you've got ton- t- 10 years of experience on st- t- t- stage. It's just mm. a different kind of stage. Yeah. And they kind of pointed out, look in your music videos or even just when you perform on stage, w- 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 when you're doing that angry song, you know you're not really angry, right? You're getting into it. You're performing and and you're acting. And it was it was a, 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 a Rez's manager that kind of, I had a meeting with her at the time and it gave me the confidence to give it a go because my outlook as a working class lad was always very much well I've not done drama school I've not done all these things I've not earned my stripes Um, I want to start at the bottom I want to do this and I want to do that and she almost patted me on the head almost and said look if the fact that you're Scroobius Pip will get you a meeting or an audition then you need to use that she said it won't get you the gig your talent will get you the gig if you if you go in and you're you're rubbish, you won't get it. Mm. But in this industry, it's so hard. Anything you can do that will open a door. Yeah. Why would you pass that aside or throw that away through some misguided belief of I need to earn my way up? Her argument was it's that kind of thing where you've you've earned your way up in another industry and now you can transfer a level of that over. It. Not all of it, but a level of that over to get you in the room, to get you in the conversations and in the discussions, and then you've got to do the work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In the end, you'll never get the work, you'll never get the job if you can't do it. Yeah, Those people can open doors for you, but they won't get you the job.
2: Exactly that. Exactly that. It's that realisation, that, that allowing yourself to use... I'm not used to having any advantages. <laughs> <laughs> like in music, I didn't know anyone in the industry. I didn't know anyone... In that world, I, I come from a small town in Essex. I still live there, so kind of that thing of going, look, if you've got an advantage, it's an earned advantage. Mm-hmm. So use that if it'll get, as I said, if it'll get you that opportunity. But quite rightfully, only your ability will will get you across the line. Yeah. I was really uh, lucky. One of the first TV shows I did, um, I worked with Tom Hardy, mm. and we really hit it off. I'm a huge fan of his work, and when I was going out to America to try and have some meetings. Again, like not coming from this industry. I've been very much, particularly before I had representation, I've been very much, look, I want to get in a room with these casting directors and just say hello, Mm. not be up for anything. And I did that through cheekiness, through any emailing (laughs) or or social media I could. Um, And I was going out to America to try and meet, to do this, S- same out there, have some meetings. And Tom Hardy s- set me up for a meeting with his manager. And I went in the room and we sat down. He was like, So, what's the deal? I was like, I started to go into myself because he's like, I need to know because I've worked with Tom for 10 years or something now. He's n- he's never asked me to take a meeting w- with anyone. Hello. So what is it? about you and it it, it, it meant the world because mm. it meant I'd obviously j- j- just made an impression on set and we'd hit it off that he was willing to send th- th- that email I guess again it sounds like a tiny no, thing it isn't. but the fact it that isn't because it doesn't a happen risk. all the time they're taking a risk yes yeah. a risk
0: they don't want to take if you ask that favor one too many yeah. times people will, will not forgive you for it
2: from talking to Tom on taboo he was saying part of his outlook on being so open and curious about upcoming people and things that like came from working with a Leonardo DiCaprio, who was that welcoming with him right. and took him under his wing in that way and was very much because, because when they, they did the Revenant again, in Tom's mind, he was like, I was a nobody in my mind. I was like, I didn't want to <laughs> say I'd already watched every film you'd done and every TV show. Yeah. So you, you weren't a nobody, but I guess compared to Leonardo DiCaprio, there's a, there, there's a levels mm. to this game, but Yeah, he said that Leo on that was just so welcoming and so wanting to help. And again, that's the way it should be because if you're on a project together, a rising tide raises all the ships. (laughs) You know, if you can all if 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 you can try and bring everyone up, it improves the project more than any industry I've ever been in. It's a team game, Mm -hmm. and more than half of that team isn't even on camera. Yeah, and then instantly notice on set who's who wants to be part of the team and who wants to be a solo artist <laughs> as such, you know? Who wants to be um, playing a singles match and who wants to be playing a team sport and and being aware of that.
0: And the thing about that is that actually, I think you end up looking better than the person who's trying to win it, as
2: it were. Riz Ahmed, one of the bits of advice he gave me was learn your lines inside and out so that you can discard them if, if needs be. Yeah. You know, prepare like crazy. And as you may have noticed, I've got, a st- I've got a stammer. Now, when I'm acting, I can get that under control, but there is certain tricks and there'll be certain breathing points and things like that. So I will have to over-prepare in many mm-hmm. ways to go, right, here's how I'm going to get through each sentence. Here's how I'm going to make it work. Because if my character hasn't got a stammer, I don't want them want them by default to have to have a stammer. No. So I can I can find ways around that and make that work. Rowan
0: Atkinson has a stammer, and you would never know that.
2: I learned that as a kid, and it was honestly one of the most inspirational things as a, a young kid with a stammer, because I learned that his iconic delivery of Baldrick yep. is because, he's, as, as I do, b- b- bees are a hurdle. So it had that extra punch and power because of his stammer. Yes. Th- that wasn't a restriction or a disability, that's... An iconic piece of 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 British comedy,
0: and right from the start of his career, that whole thing that the uh, the headmaster sketch that in a way made him famous. Have you ever seen that? Where he stands up and basically he just reads a list of names at a registry.
2: Yes, yes, I have seen that. Yeah,
0: but you're right. That whole thing, ah, young Bob. Yeah. If you know, then you know that's what he's doing.
2: It's what I think is exciting, though, and I'm really I've I, I did an interview for um a thing a thing for the BFI recently. And in that, we I kind of discussed how I'd like to see more people with varied speech impediments and varied disabilities cast more because there's, there's lightning in a bottle there. Mm-hmm. What, what we aim for with acting is to deliver truth, right? To go out there and show truth on camera. The fact is, well, it's not true we are we are lying we're trying to mask it as truth a stammer as an example you can't control that that is it's so raw and it's so r- real and and one of the things that we were discussing is, as I was, as i was saying I'd like to play some characters who have a stammer but it's not their defining thing maybe it isn't even in the script maybe it's just right you've got the role also if you feel you're going to stutter then mm. go with it um because I think there is something exciting there and there is a realness and a, 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 a rawness there that I think could be really exciting and can be harnessed. I did a podcast with Jess Tom, who goes under the name also of um, of Tourette's Hero. Yeah. And she's got a, a Tourette's. And she did an amazing performance of a Beckett play that I went to see. And I can't remember which, but it's, it was very fast and very pacily delivered. But her Tourette's added an element that just had you your heart yeah. racing because you're you're aware that it's such a quick and intricate piece, but it can go off the rails at any point, and it did. And it's man, it added something that I've not seen many times in live performance, and I think there's something there, man, that's kind of underutilized. As any character who has a stutter in a in a TV show, it's their affliction. And they're trying to overcome it. It's the king's speech. It's
0: been used many times for comic reasons by people who don't yeah, have a yeah, stomach. You know. of
2: course. And I think there's, there's so much space for it in drama. Particularly if it's real. Yeah. I mean, we all, yeah. in a way,
0: have impediments. We all have impediments. Yeah. I mean, they may not be as pointed as that. They may not be as obvious yeah. as that. But like you're saying, preparing a script, I always prepare a script and look for the moments that are going to trip me up, that, I, that when I'm saying yeah. it are going to make me stumble or, or falter or get the line wrong yeah so those are the bits that i practice over and over again make sure that i've got them or i will as i'm sure you do i'll build in a breath i'll build in a moment's preparation before i launch into something so if you've got a difficult phrase so it's the same process
2: yeah it's it's fascinating the things that you notice in these things like I'll, i'll i'll i know i noticed over time that one of my built-in coping things is I'll add a kind of an er mm-hmm. or something like that to give me a run-up onto onto a a, a letter I would get s- stuck on. Yeah. So there'll be regular things where it seems like I'm thinking or I've lost it. I'm not. I just know that if I go, uh, Baldrick, I will get over <laughs> that rather than just coming straight up, which I'm genuinely starting now as Baldrick. <laughs> yeah. But again, as you said about all of us having these impediments of some sort, mm-hmm as we don't see them as impediments or if they're not listed as impediments it's what makes us stand out as an actor yeah. as a performer it's it's it, it's our eccentricities that offer that something that someone else can't offer so mm. i guess that's kind of what us as getting at with the kind of why when it's not listed as an impediment or a disability is it a uniqueness and advantage whereas when it is it's like oh are they going to be able to cope is it going to be this is it going to be that so like, no that's what what makes me stand out why are posh people allowed to have a soft yeah, yeah, r yeah 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 and yeah. we never question yeah. it
0: we just go with well, their posh That individual style, which comes through everybody, everybody has their own way of doing things. And in some people, it's fantastically attractive. And it's what draws you in. It's what makes you see them as a great actor. don't know what it is. It's not definable.
2: I mean, it now feels like this is essentially me pitching to get more roles and go, (laughs) look, I've got something unique that you can't fake.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good pitch. It's a good pitch. Thank goodness for cinema. That's all I can say. Thank goodness, yeah. and you've put it in there to preserve it. You've saved it. Yes. So, if God forbid it does fall apart, and I again, it's like we were talking earlier about when needs must, new ways come along, and what you don't want is those yeah. new ways, new ways to end up replacing the system that was there.
2: It changes the, the way f- film is made as well. In the old days of cinema, you knew you had. 15 or 20 minutes to get people hooked. Because if you've gone all the way out to a cinema, you've got your popcorn, you've got your drink, you're not going to walk out in the first five minutes. You know, if it's really bad, you'll give it 15... Like, you might watch the whole thing and moan about it, but if you're <laughs> going to walk out, you're going to give it a decent amount of time. Whereas on streaming services, it's so easy to give it five minutes. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go on to, to something else. So c- cinema and TV, I guess... Uh, have changed in that way because you can just fl- fl- flick over. So now there's a pressure that you need to hook them in in the first f- five minutes. And that can be a beautiful and amazing thing, but mm-hmm. so much of the cinema I love is slow burn and is slow build and and, and allows things to develop and doesn't pander to you too much. You and-
0: absolutely need that in art. Otherwise, if it all has to catch your attention straight away, then you're in trouble, I think. Music has gone that way. Yeah. Again, with the Spotify generation and the the ability to just go nope and just move on all the time so you'll find now that nearly all pop songs start with the chorus and go straight into it
2: when i was having stuff played on on the radio the pr people would want to do radio edits and i get that i'm kind of okay with whatever is needed to get the album out there Mm -hmm. as such but that kind of say look the chorus needs to come in within the first 45 seconds or something like that here's the structures that are needed and we would start to bend to that. And then we we, we sat down one day and went, our first and biggest s- single that got in the top 40 and got airplay was Thou Shalt Always Kill. And it had no chorus. No. It's a list poem. <laughs> it's got like a, a minute and a half outro. That was what broke us through. So <laughs> why would we break through on something that we made in our bedrooms, unaware anyone was going to hear it, so we weren't w- worrying about what you need for radio play and to reel people in? why would we then change the formula of what worked yeah. to fit with what is is meant to work? And I think we were l- l- lucky to have had that because that was a really – it meant that we could then go, no, actually, we'll continue to be true to ourselves because mm-hmm. that's the only reason we're here. That's the only reason you know the name Scroobius Pip mm-hmm. because we did this thing that, yeah, was – it didn't look for any of those that – those rules.
0: And and again and again, the history of art is people saying, actually, do you know what? This is what I think I want to do. Yeah. I'd like to paint it so it looks as if it's in 3D. And people are saying, yeah. well, you'll be burned. We're just going to have to burn yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry. yeah, It's a bad yeah. world. I mean, I, I don't often read up on people, but i mm. looked up certain things and I was really interested to see somewhere, now this may not be true, but you were quoted as saying that, that Feel It by Kate Bush is one of your favourite records. Yes, I love that song, but I'm only mentioning it now because it is absolutely a prime example of when are you going to sing the chorus?
2: feel it is the only song I've ever covered on a a record. One of the moments that almost made my time capsule, i give it a quick shout out now, was me and my mum went to see Kate Bush on her her recent return show. And it was an amazing moment because when Kate started the show she was Kate Bush, the mother. And as she warmed into it, hmm. she transformed back into Kate Bush, the performer. And it was such a beautiful thing to watch sat next to my mum hmm. because obviously she performed it with her son. Her son was part of it. So it was it was a mother and child thing. And it's why it, I think it felt at the start. It's like, oh, this feels like a mum doing a Kate Bush impression almost because <laughs> that's what it was. She'd been... A mum for so much longer yeah. than she had ever been. Kate Bush as such, because that was such a a, a a start and end career. Mm. It, I mean, it was only over the first song, I think, that she transformed then back into the Kate Bush that I'd only ever watched on old old footage and heard on on CD. And yeah, oh, brilliant, amazing one. But it didn't quite make the cut, so I won't okay. ramble on anymore. All right.
0: But cinema has, so we're going to have to put that into the time capsule as your second item tip. And we'll move on to number three. Right, it's time for us to take a short ad break now, but I hope you're enjoying this episode enough to stay with us. We'll be back very soon.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact
0: Welcome back. Let's return to Scroobius Pip and discover what else he's going to put in his time capsule and whatever else comes up in the conversation.
2: Number three, it's what I'm calling the unity of tragedy. Um, And I'll explain a little more because the reason I want to put it in the time capsule is to isolate it. Mm -hmm. Because tragedy is obviously a bad thing. (laughs) Tragedy isn't... fun that's that's kind of a given but the unity that can come from tragedy in a moment and often doesn't last long enough is one of the most beautiful things in the world um and i thought of a couple of examples one easy one when a prince died prince is my favorite artist mm. of all time there's prince there's kate bush there's a there's a handful in there and when prince died it was incredibly sad but then when I turned on the news and saw people at a, mu- a mural of Prince all singing Purple Rain oh. as one, there was it was unimaginably be- beautiful. And then you saw footage of people all around the world doing similar things. And the other one that came to mind, and again, this is why I want to isolate it because the tragedy is so horrific, but when the horrific Manchester bombings happened, mm. it was one of the most ugly things in recent human history To 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 know that man can be so horrific mm-hmm. but then when they did that gig and the crowd were there i'm I'm welling up talking about it um and oasis sung don't look back in anger mm-hmm. um and there were people singing along and it was a city that had been hit by this huge tragedy and people in the crowd who had lost daughters and sisters and they all came together and sung in this moment and it was so beautiful and I wish we could have that w- without the tragedy part. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of why I want to isolate it as the unity of tragedy because I think it's amazing that we have to see the worst in humanity to see the best in humanity, to see what we're capable of, mm-hmm. how we can come together, the beauty that we can can bring together and the walls that we can break down, I guess. But it so often comes after something horrific. That's so and, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah there's often talk on TV about, are we taking too many immigrants? Why are people coming to England and going through so many other safe countries? And the fact is, they're stopping in the safe countries too. We as a country, Mm percentage-wise, take the lowest out of all of Europe. And we're still in Europe. It's the EU we're not part of. It's the Union. We're still geographically in Europe. And we take the lowest and we've had the audacity to put great in front of our name. Mm. And we so rarely relish the opportunity to show that greatness Mm. we should be the highest in taking in people who are are fleeing horrific situations in afghanistan and all over the world we should go you know what we're going to help more than anyone else Mm. and we're going to prove how great we are but instead we go why don't they stop in france or in turkey or in wherever else it's like they do they do, but we should play our part. It shouldn't be about that. So, yeah, the, w- where does that unity go when there's not personal tragedy? Italy has astonishing
0: numbers of people.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Germany has taken millions and millions of people. It's the illusion of a figure. You just write a figure down and people go, wow, that's a big figure. And that can be a thousand people came over yesterday in votes and you go, a thousand yeah. people? A thousand people a day, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. that can really make people sit back and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, we're in real trouble. And they react in a sort of visceral way to it. Yeah. And then you can say things like 22 billion pounds spent on test and trace and people go, yeah, mm. Yeah. And you go, what, 22 billion is not a big number.
2: Oh, well, you've touched upon it perfectly there. The unrelatable numbers, like twenty-two billion—that's unimaginable. Mm-hmm. We need to be touched by these things personally, because Afghanistan is drenched in tragedy at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we've not had the same unity that comes from tragedy that we saw with the Manchester bombings, all these other things, because we weren't touched personally. It wasn't. It, 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 it's easier to distance ourselves or detach ourselves from from that tragedy so so yeah i wish that we could do more to have those moments of beauty because it has almost become a thing now that anytime something horrific happens if i'm feeling really down by it i'm like but but just wait Mm. like it won't be worth it but something is going to come that gets you to see that the best of humanity and that'll be that'll be a moment at least yes
0: there were certain things that happened as a result of lockdown that were really quite beautiful yeah, that whole idea of clapping when it first started, I thought mm, this sounds a bit, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't keen on the idea actually. I, Mate, I was the
2: same. I was so negative, and then the first time I went on the doorstep, I had tears in my eyes. I did have one
0: occasion where we we were standing in the street clapping, and it was great, and it became a bit like a carnival. Really, everybody was having fun, and we were all clapping yeah. and making yeah. banging saucepans and things, and then a woman in a nurse's uniform walked down the street, and started to cry. Wow. And I said to her, "All right, love." And she said, no, I've seen a lot of people go today. I've seen a lot of people go." Oh man! And I thought, "Oh fucking hell!" And that really did bring it home. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't a
2: carnival. The first time I went out to to clap by pure chance, as as someone was out having an evening run, and I bet they got the best their personal best time ever because all of a sudden. <laughs> They've got got the whole of the the, the whole of the town applauding, and you saw them look round like, "This is weird, but it's going to put an extra spring in your step, isn't it?" I I like to think that they were right at the end of their run and starting to lose their steam a bit, and then suddenly, "Oh, come on!"
0: Yeah, if one good thing came out of it, well, that is a lovely concept. It's a really wonderful thing, and there's no doubt that it does exist. And I think being aware of it maybe will make it last longer yeah going look at this look where we are look how we feel look how close we all feel to each other and also how responsible for each other we feel yeah and it's very easy to lose that sense of responsibility you know afghanistan uh, they brought it on themselves you know they're they're fighting a war It's yeah. nothing to do with us and that's
2: not true yeah. but it's it's the manipulation one thing I was reading, which blew my mind at the time, do you remember when Boris did an interview and they asked if he had any hobbies and he started mumbling about, I like to get wood and I like to make carved little buses out of wood. And it was this weird, odd story that went viral. It then meant that if you Googled Boris and bus, that was what came up first <laughs> oh, rather than God. the 350 million. So it's a very viable Theory that that wasn't a bumbling bit of nonsense. That was a calculated move oh. to go look. Let's change the narrative and manipulate these people. And everyone mm-hmm. watched. and went. He carves buses out of bits of wood in his spare time. He's yeah. like, that's crazy. It's like, yeah, that's because it's a lie. Because it's a pure manipulation to to change how how perception is and that kind of thing. Made me go. All right. Mm. N- know your enemy.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Be aware of who you're dealing with here.
0: We are in a very dangerous situation because. While everybody's saying there's not an alternative, you even hear on the news now, well, we do need to do that. Quite often, we are Mm. making assumptions about the whole way that things are run and the way that the world is run. Recently, the whole thing of, well, we have to reform the social care system. That phrase has been said on the news by newsreaders. We all know the social care system has to be reformed. And you go, well, do we? Or do we just need to fund it better?
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest um, tricks of language is the term "common sense" because <laughs> it, su- it suggests you shouldn't question it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's common sense. It's common sense. We have to uh, uh, reform the social, the social care system. So it's common sense. Yes, so, right. That means that we just accept it. Yeah, and it's it's used so re- re- regularly, and it's it can be a massive sheet over a yeah. a a complex problem well you don't have to think about that it's common sense isn't it
0: and also that thing of saying everybody knows i mean everybody knows that we you know everybody knows everybody knows that the national health service is a great cash cow that we have to somehow sort out and we just have to work out the funding of the national health service properly well does everybody know that is that true i don't know if these things are true
2: no i'm with you
0: but there we are so anyway <laughs> okay pip the how do you phrase it the
2: the unity of tragedy the
0: unity of tragedy was
2: was what i came up yeah with it it's
0: there. very good the unity of tragedy how tragedy can unite us all it's in there it's in your time capsule and hopefully it will inspire people to try and hang on to it right so um so we've got one thing you want to keep and one thing you want to get rid of
2: yes mm. indeed so the the, the The final thing that I want to keep is kind of a cheat, because in my mind, it's very much already in a time capsule, but I decided I kind of want it officially on the record Mm -hmm. as in a time capsule. When I was 21 and me and all my friends were 21, one of our friends, Jamie, um, took his own life. Um, He had certain mental health struggles, we kind of realise now that he set himself a deadline that by the time I turn 21, if it's not fixed, I'm done. Mm. I'm out. So on his 21st birthday, he took his own life. And it's why all my career I've worked with, um, calm, uh, the campaign against living miserably a men's mental health charity, Samaritans and numerous other people. So suicide has been a big part of my life and mental health. Um, But gradually over time, the anniversary of Jamie's death became my favourite day of the year Mm -hmm. because me and some friends and his family will always try to get together and we'll tell stories of Jamie and we'll talk about Jamie and we'll enjoy Jamie. And one of the things I've noticed in that time is all of us have got more wrinkles and more gray hairs and or l- less hair altogether <laughs> generally looking more haggard and weathered and Jamie the bugger remains 21 <laughs> um still looks good in a vest <laughs> still still has a wonderful hairline and all of these things and it's 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 become a thing that's amused me slightly that in a way he managed to put himself in a time capsule at, at 21 he decided to go well th- this is the me that is going to exist forever mm-hmm. in, in in the hearts and minds of of my friends. And, yeah, it's become, in these days of celebration on the anniversary um, each year, it's become an amusing thing. And I don't know why, I thought of it more because of Zoom. Zoom isn't always flattering. <laughs> and seeing everyone just straight in their face and looking at myself and going, oh, man, there's so much grey in this beard now. <laughs> it's more grey than black. And, yeah, it kind of seemed to highlight it. So I wanted to officially put him in in the time capsule because yeah. he did it himself all those years ago. Do you
0: think if he'd got help, he would have been all right? Or was it something that um, he couldn't get round?
2: I think help wasn't at the place it was then that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was given medication. It wasn't the right medication. It didn't help for a long time. That made me anti-medication, but the more... I've spoken to people. The more research I've done, you realise it's so personal and individual. Th- therapy in itself, it isn't a case of, oh, I'll go to therapy and it will work or not work. You, It might take you two or three tries to find the right therapist, mm. S- similar with medications. Medication m- might not be for you, but it might be really helpful to get you to where you need to be for therapy and so on and so forth. But it might take two or three different tries on different medications. Mm -hmm. And sadly, these things aren't immediate. It can be a period and things like that. So, so yeah, it's hard to say what could have been or would have been. Mm. But um, we certainly felt at the time that the the medication he was put on increased his paranoia, increased his discomfort, essentially. Mm. And it's an interesting thing because just because of, I don't know, on my first album, I had a song about suicide um, called The Magician's Assistant. Um, and because of that, I've had a lot of conversations over the years, over social media or with people or at shows with people who that song hit a chord with. And it, it I don't know, it means that I feel I've learned a, a lot about it and my opinions have changed. Again, at the time, I was furious mm. at Jamie for doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How could he do that? But then over time, there's been periods I've respected it. I've respected the idea of going. Look, I've tried my best. It's my right, you know. The thought—it suddenly felt selfish of me to go. Well, I would rather you went on suffering, yeah, than than die. Like, if 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 the suffering was too much, it's his right. He knows more than me of of what's going on in his his head. So yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that but it's been an interesting journey on the complexities of of suicide as a as a topic and as a subject. And as I said I worked with Calm the campaign against living miserably a men's mental health charity essentially f- f- from their inception mm-hmm. and weirdly the woman who started Calm then moved over to take over the British stammering association <laughs> and she didn't know I had a stammer so 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 a mutual friend of ours, Eddie, Eddie Temple Morris. She hit Eddie up and said, "Do you know anyone who's got a stammer who maybe could work with us and all this?" And he said, "You know, Pip's got a, st- a stammer, right?" <laughs> She's like, "I didn't know that at all." So it's kind of perfect that I now work with Jane Powell on, on that as well. So, so yeah, yeah,
0: I love the idea of him being frozen, as it were. There he is. Yeah. This is me now for eternity. I think we should start introducing in this country those things you find on. Italian and, you know, some French graves and Spanish graves, you know, where they have a an enamel picture. Yeah. And it's a picture that people have chosen to show them at their best. Yeah. So, you know, you'll read and it'll say 93-year-old great-great-grandmother, we miss her so much and everything, and there'll be this photograph of this vibrant young girl. Yeah. Looking cheeky and I've got the world ahead of me. Yeah. And and in a way they've gone, no, this is who she was. Yeah. Not that little frail old person.
2: Yeah, completely. And be a beautiful thing. I love that. I might insist on it and pick my own photograph. Pick your best headshot. Yeah, this pick one. Pick your best headshot. That's the one yeah. I want. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: But it's the same with all death, I think, suicide or not, that you have to look and try and find something in it mm-hmm. that will, will encourage you.
2: It's something I, s- I say a lot to friends who lose, who lose someone, um, that a- although it's not in your control in many ways... The sooner you can make that anniversary a celebration, the better. Mm-hmm. The The sooner it stops being this burden that's hanging over you or this thing you're d- dreading, the better. I go round and we have a barbecue normally with his mum and dad and his brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And in reality, his mum and dad probably tell two or three of the same stories every year. <laughs> but I look forward to them telling those stories the whole year until we get there and get to hear this the same story and all of us do i relish it every time because it's like i only get to hear these once a year yeah. it's like having a favorite album but you can only listen to it once every year imagine how good your favorite album would sound if you only <laughs> listen to it once every year oh uh,
0: what a lovely idea yeah what a lovely way of thinking of it yeah well then in that case we should put him in there and uh yes definitely reserve him as you say for all time lovely Okay, yeah. so now we've come to the moment where you tell me something that you sort of regret from your life or would like to get rid of from your life.
2: Yeah, and it's a tough one because it's given me so much, but I think the the negative outweighs the positives. So I'm going to put social media as a whole in there because I think, and again, this is coming as someone who blew up on MySpace, mm-hmm. who launched my career and got, so much of my life, who met my partner on social media. Oh um, but the personal gain is a speck of light in the shadow of the overall negativity, in my opinion, that, that social media has has given over the years. Mm. It's n- a negative effect on our mental health. It's negative effect on our society, our general attitudes, our competitiveness, our them versus us, our tribalism. Donald Trump would not have been president if it wasn't for social media, mm. and that's a crazy illustration of, of 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 the power and change that this that this has had. So, yeah, it sort of wins the yeah. argument straight off that one,
0: doesn't it?
2: Yeah, mm. it's 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 a really tough one because, as said, I wouldn't. I, at least my career would be very different. Yeah, but arguably, I wouldn't have a career because the fact is. As I said at the start, I didn't have contacts. I didn't have any money. I don't come from a wealthy family. So the fact that I could put music up for free on MySpace and people could hear it, and YouTube as well, mm-hmm. that I could go, right, here's my platform. I've got a platform and I can work really hard to get it out there, but it's free and there. So much in my life has said, has come through social media, but it will be s- selfish of me to go, I want that at the cost of all the negative mm. it's brought and again the 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 heartbreaking part is my damn addiction to the thing <laughs> um I'd got rid of my personal facebook years ago and it was a breath of fresh air mm. and I stopped using my 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 work facebook a year or so ago and I do see myself gradually getting rid of twitter next mm. and then my, my beloved instagram oh, my which lad. has so many exciting excited dogs on there um
0: <laughs> a lot of people do get a lot of comfort from these things and they feel yeah. that they feel that they are having a contact with people through that
2: thing. yeah but i think it's a i think it's in many ways a placebo i think one of the reasons for our higher levels of mental health crisis is a lot of people are lonely and don't know that they're lonely because mm-hmm they've got all this d- d- digital interaction. Again, pandemic aside, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've got all of this digital interaction, but it's they've not got any f- physical interaction. And I think our minds and our bodies know there's a difference between those things. Mm-hmm. And we, as weird as it sounds, I think if we didn't have the placebo of the often false digital interaction, we would go out and seek the real physical interaction Mm -hmm. um so I do think it's why we're in kind of a mental health pandemic as such because yeah there's a loneliness that we don't realize we're we're suffering Mm -hmm. I guess yes
0: no I can see that absolutely
2: I'm a I'm a big pusher of of the block button I always try and get it to as many people as possible (laughs) block freely you wouldn't have your window open and just allow anyone to stroll in and shout in your living room it, it wouldn't seem be seen as a, a loss a lot of people say is yeah but if you, you block them that's what they want my thought is w- 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 wicked <laughs> then we both get what we want i don't have to have them in my life and they got what they want i don't know them to have such a grudge against them that i want to deprive them of what they want no. i'm i'm not going to feel bad that they cool you got what you want w- <laughs> wicked you're now out of my life and i don't i'm not thinking about it I'm not thinking should i go back and respond i've got I, I, i'm going to go back and respond and all that kind of thing. just going yeah. block you're gone F- freedom again people have the illusion that access to absolutely everyone is some kind of right mm-hmm. and it's not you have a right to protect yourself and your own mental health and your own feed and and what comes into your l- l- life. So block freely. I, I blocked someone the other day because they said that J- J- John Cena is a bad actor. <laughs> Just thought, I'm going to block him, yeah. whatever. I'd, po- I'd posted about the Suicide Squad. I'm not the biggest fan of John Cena, but... There was no need to have a, to bring a negative comment there. No. I was just saying, I watched this, I really enjoyed it. And they were like, I enjoyed it, but John Cena's a bad yeah. actor. And I kind of thought, you could have just put the I enjoyed it part. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to add the negative. And that's a really common thing since in social media times, the kind of, I loved this, it was so much better than this. Yeah. So you, you don't need the second part. You can just go with the, I love this. You don't have to attack something to justify your love of something or hate something to justify your love of something. You can just love something.
0: So, in fact, if we all just start blocking anybody who says anything negative, yeah. it, it will <laughs> yeah. just fade from the whole thing, right? It will disappear. Yeah,
2: genuinely will. Because at, at first you'd get the the, the – the, or those people, I would imagine, would get the buzz of, I've been blocked, it's what I wanted. But as everyone – blocks you it's not going to be what you want anymore no. because you'll be there on your own and you have to start bo- saying nice things
0: start finding yeah. nice things to say to people be kind
2: yeah so yeah i'm slinging social media in there i'm afraid and i said it comes at great oh well, it comes with great irony mm-hmm. as said as someone who's built a career on social media who who is addicted to social media who spends hours of his day on social media it's um it's got to go. Okay, well, yeah.
0: I am going to put it in there. Although I was going to use social media to start a campaign well, on your behalf, I think that we should campaign to get the Oxford English Dictionary to change the spelling of the word phoenix.
2: Damn right! Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. This phoe no phoenix phoenix. phoenix. Feel and, and people argue it comes from the the Latin of this or whatever. <laughs> we'll just use the Latin version then. We've already bastardised it, as we do with all language. If we're going to bastardise it, let's bastardise it properly. Let's have some, some guts and make it make sense. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. So, you know, I'll carry on on social media, but you, you won't <laughs> yes. know about it. You won't know anything about it. Won't, and then one day, you walk past a cinema. Yep. The cinema will be called The Phoenix, Brilliant. Directly spelled.
2: And I know how it happened.
0: <laughs> it's been a joy to talk to you, Pip. Really a joy. It's
2: been an absolute pl- pleasure. Thank you for, for having me on to, to ramble on. You have been
0: listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my delightful guest, Scroobius Pip. My thanks to him for giving me his time and for rambling on so interestingly. If you enjoyed it, then please do subscribe to this podcast. We have loads of guests for you to listen to, and when you think you know us well enough, you may want to rate the show and maybe even write a short review on Apple Podcasts. We always appreciate it. You can see what we're up to by following me or my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, although perhaps I'll take Pip's advice. Actually, I probably won't. The theme tune that you can hear is now available to download on Spotify and it was written by Pass the Peas Music. This has been a cast-off production for Acast. Our producer was John Fenton-Stevens. What a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. But our tangled web is so much faster. Now we are an old podcaster. Whatever that means. No wonder I never made it as a spoken word poet. Nurse! Nurse! Bye.